Welcome to the club no one ever wanted to join. This is Refused, the unofficial podcast of Eliasm.org. Having a tough time spelling that? It's an acronym for I Live in a Sexless Marriage. Listen to stories, articles, and sometimes the dark humor experienced by those in sexless marriages here on Refused. On Eliasm.org, you'll see much wiser people than me give advice on coping with sexless marriage. And you may see my less useful posts under the name Mirror Orchid. Until then, you've suffered enough. On with the show. Lolloping about on Eliasm, you are likely to run upon the term outsourcing more than a few times. To intercept you and explain the term, I present a post distinguishing this term from the more common and imprecise term favored by refusers everywhere. Cheating. It serves refusers well to condemn any defiance of the dynamic of low sexuality in their marriage, so their motives are understandably and transparently mercenary. To paint all extramarital sex as repugnant dovetails with their goals of exterminating the adult nature of marriage. Refused spouses may find the broader term useful, and wider adoption may begin honest conversations about this problem reportedly experienced by 20% of married couples. Outsourcing, in a platonic definition, means getting something from elsewhere that is available nearby, but not chosen. Sexually, its description is apt. Sex should be available close by, domestically, but there are reasons you'll decide to go afield. The reasons have multiple parallels. Those who would place a negative connotation upon all outsourcing are those that condemn it and wish for the word to become negative in order to discourage the activity. They will do the same to any word you choose instead, rather than address the problem that outsourcing solves, or bypasses. The word cheating has some value, but should be more narrowly targeted. Platonically, the word cheating, tend to be attributed to a game. In a contest between two people, there are usually rules one follows. If one person breaks a rule, that is what we call cheating. If one person cheats, the other may not know, and perhaps lose, falling under the assumption their opponent was better when they were not. They may give up the game henceforth, assuming they lack talent at it, when they would have won without the cheating going on, If the cheating is discovered, the person may discontinue the game with the cheater or continue with no restraints towards following that rule anymore, perhaps breaking others since following rules is no longer to be assumed. Sexually, it fits. In the case of a presumed monamorous relationship, monogamous, monandrous, outsourcing is against the traditionally agreed-upon rule not to have a second lover. The rule commonly announced in the vow of forsake all others, assuming that is a vow you actually took. If you did, breaking this rule is commonly called cheating at the game of love. The negative connotation may be suitable. There may have been a betrayal of trust. We do not care for cheaters when playing a platonic game. There's no reason to be tolerant of cheating sexually either. Perhaps unspoken, 
and perhaps it should be spoken about prior to exclusivity, is the rule that monamorous relationships will not become celibate. In the case that it does, this too could be described as cheating, one person breaking the rules. In the case of refusers who have no intention of saying yes more than nine times a year, this would be similarly deceptive and arguably a betrayal, if not for the fact that few couples say out loud that forced celibacy is against the rules of marriage. It would behoove our society to make this additional rule explicit. When cheating is discovered, the honest participant may quit the game or continue with a new set of rules in place. Sexually, this is going to be affected as divorce or negotiated infidelity. This leads me to the need for an additional word. We need a word for the negotiated infidelity, taking a second partner with the other person's knowledge. Platonically, if you are in a one-mile race and one of you is a quarter mile ahead, does it make sense to finish when it's obvious the game is over and you are poorly matched? It should be okay to refuse to finish due to futility. If the game is to maintain interest, rather than puff the ego of the victor, one should entreat for renegotiation, perhaps a half-mile head start to keep it interesting. Sexually, spouses that grow mismatched libidos should not be condemned for wishing to change the rules of the game, since the game is growing unpleasant. In the analogy, do we sympathize with the runner who was a quarter mile ahead and accused the slow one of being a sore loser? Not usually. That is the purpose of mercy rules. A runner that insists you finish the race despite your misery is not likely to be looked upon with admiration should anyone hear the truth of the circumstances. If that losing runner were to take a shortcut the faster runner didn't know about and could not see, do we condemn the loser? Of course! Sexually, if a refused spouse takes a lover without the spouse's knowledge, is that breaking the rules? I dare say it is. If, instead, the refused spouse points out the gross unfairness of the refuser's advantage, a discussion of renegotiation of the rules may take place. Commonly, the winner's decision may be to quit and tell the loser to run with somebody else. I don't need to spell out all the analogies, do I? Yet we praise refusers' fidelity to the marriage. It comes so easily to them. Perhaps we admire them because we don't see their opponent wheezing, gasping, woozy a quarter mile back and factor that into our assessment. If the negotiation of rules takes place, but the winner refuses all changes, the loser may instead choose to run with another. Perhaps they'll suggest inviting a third jogger who is a more competitive speed so the sprinter can run as fast as they like without concerning themselves about slowing down to let their partner keep up. What may make the most sense is two runners getting added that match the speeds of both, and they find other things to do than race. What if the slow runner offers to take shortcuts in order to end up ahead of the fast runner and make the race competitive again. The offer to cheat on purpose wouldn't be offensive. It has a goal. It isn't deceiving the fast runner. 
it offers a scenario in which both athletes might enjoy a more challenging day's contest. It simulates equally matched partners. This second scenario may be accepted, in which case sexually we might equate it to open marriage or if both runners change rules, polyamory? Society may still condemn messing with rules in the middle of a game, but it isn't dishonest. What then of slow runners taking shortcuts but not telling their running buddy? Do we call both practices cheating? What of the bad winner scenario in which the clearly superior athlete refuses to give the loser any chance of achieving a victory with a head start or allowed shortcuts? The loser may continue to huff and puff and get shin splints trying to follow the rules and regretting agreeing to the contest at all. Or perhaps the loser may announce the shortcuts in advance and take them, changing the rules in the process. The sore winner will call it cheating still, but the distinct difference, the change with no intent to deceive, needs a new word, does it not? It serves the winner's purpose to not invent a pithier word for negotiated infidelity. As it stands, refusers get what they want when society condemns both rule changers equally. A refused spouse who informs a refuser they are changing the rules allows the refuser to continue the race with the refused spouse's shortcuts being taken against their wishes, or they may quit and run with someone else. or run alone, with no slowpoke holding them back from what they were largely doing alone anyway. That's today's show. Thanks for listening. Drop by eliasm.org to learn a whole lot more about sexless marriages and what to do about them, or just find a sympathetic ear. That's I-L-I-A-S-M dot org. We're sorry you tuned in, but do it again soon. This episode of Refused is not brought to you by Long Darts. Banned by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission in 1988, indistinguishable from Plumbata, Roman weapons of war designed to hurt people, reimagined as toys. Oh, 50s, you crazy, short-sighted decade, you. Lethal weapons disguised as picnic fun. Toss the sharp, heavy objects high into the air and attempt to land them inside hoops. Kind of like horseshoes with a whole new level of stakes. They're all fun and games until you need paramedics. Wandites. The intro and outro music is sampled from the instrumental Drown in Thoughts on the album Illusions by X Tickerex, whose name I may be butchering. Available at freemusicarchive.org. So long, you're not alone. It'll be okay. I need a better sign-off. Those who would place a negative connotation upon all outsourcing are those that condemn it and wish for the word to become negative in 